to be rich. Seriously, we work jobs and go to school to become qualified for fulfilling careers, and yet, can we become rich and successful? I always thought that having a career and a wonderful job title could be the sign of wealth and richness. Yet to my dismay, as I chased the American dream, I found myself more disillusioned and hurt behind the act of chasing money. It got me, and in many cases, it got me broke. I needed to find a way to redefine success, not based solely on obtaining money. Having self-discipline and a written budget once I've made the money became useful in my financial tool belt. Think about it. Once you've made the money, either with a career, with stocks or real estate investments, where does the money go? Once the money is made, it matters where it goes. Interludes is starting our financial literacy series called Making Money Matter. Let's think about this. Money matters the most, especially when we want to retire. Other questions like, do we have a state trust and insurance set up for our future? Are we spending close to a rent payment when it comes to food luxuries like a daily dose of Starbucks? These are tough questions to answer since we are in the habit of getting this moolah every other week when the paycheck comes through and in some cases spending our entire paycheck before we've paid a bill or saved. But ultimately, it's all about how much we are able to keep for practical use down the road, like retirement. This week, meet financial educator and strategist Rhonda Leonard Hortwith, a former attorney now committed to educating people about how they can take control of their financial futures. The dollar made today can turn into thousands of dollars needed for our future, if invested strategically. I'm Val The Voice Johnson, and this is Interlude. Interludes, a pure Lighthouse production. As we celebrate Black History Month, this episode is brought to you by NBNConnect.com and the African American Historical News Journal. Give the gift of knowledge during this season. And now, all the way live from the south side of Chicago, give it up for your host, Val The Voice Johnson. I made 50 mil, M got paid when I made 60 mil, Drake got paid when I made 80 mil, Jimmy got paid, I ain't even got the rap now, life is made, said I ain't even got the rap, I'm filthy money. Hi everyone, welcome to another edition of Interludes, and I am excited to have on, all the way from the Northwest, a financial educator and strategist with Revolution Financial Management. Please welcome Rhonda Leonard Hortwith. How are you? Thank you. I'm so excited to be here today. I'm up here in snow country. And actually, this is what it looks like right now. It just snowed last night. The new year has come. It's 2022. We're trying to transition out of the pandemic because that's all I care about is where we're not counting numbers in the whole nine. During the pandemic, I just want to know, what did you do in order to just stay 
to keep your head above ground and just to stay sane? Well, you know, I'm a movie lover. I like action movies. First thing I did was get a movie room. Yes. We <laughs> got some movie chairs that lean back with the place to put your cup and an authentic popcorn machine like they have in the theater. I could watch it pop. One of those little refrigerators with a glass door so I could watch movies. So when I heard the movie theaters are closed down, I hurt my heart. So I had to re redo that. So when they said stay home, I'm like, sure. <laughs> I know, I know. And I'm such a movie. I'm the avid movie lover. I, I'm I'm the nerd that likes to sit somewhere toward the middle. And if that's the Dolby sound, theater sound, and it can hit you where you could just hear everything. I love that experience. <laughs> and so, and also I use the time to learn more about my, the industry I'm in, learn more about people and how to relate to people, which is really important. Something that I told myself in uh, 2021, I was become an expert at that or as close as I could be, you know, it's an ongoing process. Well, you know what you, I feel like you started out as an expert. You were a trial attorney for a couple of decades in Los Angeles. Tell me about that experience. It, I have to say this, there was never a dull moment. Hmm. Now, every day at three o'clock was, I would call that, you know, dirty word time because people were so mad at the, at the judges or the DAs or their clients. They were just coming to the office, you know, cussing. And we had these things, uh, little uh, electric dump trucks, right? Because people always said, oh, you're a public defender, you're a dump truck. And we would have dump truck races up and down the hallway, <laughs> put our little trash at the back. And uh, it was it was different because I've always liked to help people. My first love was really healthcare, but I somehow ended up in the legal field, but still helping people. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was always looking for ways to make my clients, even though they had done some ugly things, they're still people. Right. Get to the root of their problem, uh, which used, tended to be the same across the board, whether juvenile or adults, and help them hopefully get back into society. But uh, sometimes it was harrowing because I saw some ugly things happen in the courtroom. Uh, my family was followed one time by one of my client's associates. When you see on TV how these uh, inmates operate, especially the drug lords or the, you know, big gang members wow. inside as well as outside. That's totally true. So you have to be careful. You have to learn how to talk to people and relate to people and respect people mm -hmm. so that you can do your best job you know, for them. Yeah. And my thing is, is that I thought, and if you watch television or movies, they make being either a prosecutor or some type of attorney in that field like glamorous not that law and order is all glamorous or anything but you watch these shows and you get a totally different perspective I love living single and I think Max the character Max became what you were public defender and she was so happy to get that job but eventually you moved away from it what caused you to move away from doing that type of work you know there's a high burnout in that field whether you're I mean, I guess sometimes DAs, but especially with defense attorneys, the one, there's a lot of pressure. We're at the bottom of the totem pole, uh, I think, in the attorney arena, because no one really you know, has a lot of respect for public defenders many times. We are totally disrespected in the media on TV shows. Now, some of my favorite shows are like, you know, Special Victims Unit, but they always 
uh, made the, the public defenders look like they were stupid. They always argued. They were insulting. It was never that way. You know, I worked well with the DAs, uh, with the judges, especially with the courtroom staff, mm-hmm. um, with my you know clients, with the sheriffs. We all got along. It was one family. It was nothing like on TV. Yeah. And over the years, the, the it started to take its toll, as it does on a, you know, a lot of, of people that I knew. And I was at one point trying to handle a situation with one of the judges in my courtroom who totally disrespected our clients and me. It was, it was really terrible. And there's a thing you can do called papering a judge. And eventually he cannot handle any more criminal cases from the public defender's office. And that's about 90% of his load. And that took a toll on me. Uh, everyone was upset with me at the courthouse. It was the traffic court down in downtown Los Angeles. We handled an average caseload of 200 to 300 cases per attorney per day. And there was many attorneys in the courtroom. So you can imagine if that attorney papers that judge and all the public defenders paper one judge, then he has nothing to do all day. So everyone was upset because those cases get sent to other courtrooms. Mm-hmm. Uh, the uh, law enforcement was upset with me. <laughs> a lot of the bench officers were upset with me and uh, especially a lot of the, the prosecutors. So it put it took its toll on me. Um, I was a nervous wreck a lot of times going to work and I was doing, you know, I, I knew what I was doing was right. If you know what you're doing is right, you're going to keep right. on doing it no matter what the toll. That's right. It was right. Mm-hmm. It was right. You, if you do a crime, and you, you have to do the time, but everyone should go fairly and be treated with respect. Right. It's not written that you get to be treated like, you know, the bottom of the barrel just because you're on trial for something. If everyone goes and they go by law and everything's followed properly, that should, that's, the, that's the case. But if there's a bench officer that's not doing that, he needs to go. So I got him out. You know? <laughs> but uh, it took right after that. And then heavy stress, uh, I was diagnosed with cancer. And uh, I was immediately got, you know, requested to be taken out of the courtroom setting because I, I had to go through chemotherapy and radiation. Uh, that was eight years ago. Proud to say I'm a cancer warrior now, cancer free. Yeah. But uh, I had a lot of surgeries and uh, I could not be in an environment where I could, you know, uh, get sick because my white blood cell count was way down because of chemotherapy. And I worked full time during my chemo and radiation because I didn't want to sit home and feel sorry for myself. And my clients needed my help. You know, I was working with the California Prop 36 cases, which was helping to get those clients who were improperly in prison under the three strikes law released. And um, I uh, had to visit a lot of prisons and wear my mask. Uh, And I said, hey, it's time for me to move on. And then also one of my clients who was on trial for murder had my family followed. I'm like, well, yeah, written my contract. So I figured, hey, the job, this job still needs to be done. You know, hats off to the rest of my brothers and sisters in the public defender's office, the DA's office and on the bench who were trying to do the right thing. But it's time to me to move on. And I didn't know how I was going to do it. I was thinking about it, but then something else landed in my lap, which ended me up where I am today. So I choose to say that I was, I didn't retire. I was reinvented. I, and I love with your reinvention that that same attitude of helping transitioned into you and what you do right now as a financial educator and strategist. I, when we talked before this interview, I was thinking some of the 
some of the things that you brought to surface, like people don't think about, unfortunately, when someone passes away or do they have insurance? Do they have a will or a trust set up? And then just all of the things that, you know, you should be in the back of your mind, your, your health. And I, you said yesterday that I was, that I really wrote down word for word, your most valuable asset you have is your health. Expound on that. I think that was such a profound statement you said to me, and I literally wrote it down. Let me know what the health, what does that mean to you? Having you know, your health. After 33, it was about 33 years I spent at, with the county. Mm-hmm. I saw a lot of people that were sick. I saw a lot of people that ceased to live, <laughs> sometimes oh, by the hands of my clients. And then when the pandemic hit, or even when I was outside of court, I'd see people sick. I remember when the um, when the big uh, shooting spree took place at the Mandalay Bay Hotel in Vegas. A lot of people yeah. weren't prepared to lose their loved ones. So you think of life as like a, a teeter-totter, whether you're a two-parent family or a, a one-person household, you hold up this teeter-totter. It's, it's house payments or rent. It's cost of living. It's your you know pet expenses. It's clothing. It's retirement monies. And if one of those things slips from underneath while you're getting sick and that peg is taken out, everything slides off the end of that teeter-totter. So you've got to protect your health so that if something happens, something like you know a, a large chunk of money can move in and keep life one you know going smoothly. So I always say to people, you know, what if you weren't here last year? Let's just take yourself out of the picture. Would your family still be in that house? Would your kids still be going to college? Or what if you woke up tomorrow morning and all you could move was your eyes? You know, you're hungry, but you can't feed yourself. You need to go to the bathroom, but you can't get yourself there mm-hmm. or clean yourself up. Who's going to do that for you? Do you want your kids to see you in that state? So it's time now. It's so urgent, mm-hmm. especially after COVID hit, when people weren't prepared. Look at the, if go online and look at GoFundMe and see how many millions of people are looking for money to help them bury loved ones unexpectedly. And it, you know, disease or, or death is not discriminatory by income or race or, or any other category. It will strike anywhere and you need to be prepared. So what if these families who were hit by COVID and who thought these jobs were so loyal to them got laid off, but they had a year's worth of expenses saved up so they could continue to, to reinvent their, their job or reinvent themselves or just be out of work for a year and not have to worry themselves to pieces about where their next meal was going to come from mm-hmm. and rent. So that's what I'm looking at. And so what I found when I talked to all my clients and I looked back, I said, you know, my juvenile clients or my adult clients, the root of all of their problems is always a lack of money. Mm. I don't have enough money. I'm going to join a gang so I can get some latest shoes. I don't have enough money to feed my kids going to steal some diapers. You end up getting 25 to life because you may have had some other felonies in your background. I don't have enough money. So I'm upset with my wife and I'm still going to beat her up or vice versa. And I've had that happen too. Right. It's one of the top three causes of divorce. So I figured if I could educate people so they could at least have some confidence on how money works, there's only a few principles that you need to learn to be a little versed in this demystify the financial arena 
whether you're white collar, blue collar, or no collar, I like to talk to you. If someone is making, because I'm very happy to hear that the minimum wage has gone up. I believe it's gone up to, I believe, $15 an hour. Yeah, it's, it's up there at that point, somewhat, but is it keeping up with inflation? Right. And so you calculate that out for a year and that person is literally, I want to say between 25, maybe 30,000 a year, maybe if they are single or married or, you know, with a partner and with a child, how much on average should they be saving of what their weekly paycheck, let's say their weekly paycheck is like $400 even before taxes or maybe at less, how much should they be saving just to be thinking about, I need to think about having six months saved up or the like? You know, it's interesting you ask that because my my great-grandfather, actually my grandfather and my father always told me this, save 10%. Mm-hmm. I don't care if it's two-third money. I have my little glass piggy bank. If I got two-third money at 25 cents, I'd put you know two cents in the piggy bank, right? If I got $5 for a birthday present, I had to put 10% in the piggy bank. Mm-hmm. And I always tell people that at least start with 10% and pay yourself first. Now, unfortunately, the way our system works, if you're uh, an employee, then the feds get, they pay themselves first. Then you get to live off the rest. So I say, take what you have after that and pay yourself first. What does that mean? It means save something for your future. And then adjust. If you get a raise, if you've been living comfortably of what you're making and you're saving and you get a raise, act like you never got, put that in savings. They used to tell us out of the office. And pretty soon over time, you can watch it rise and then find a way to understand how risk works. How much are you willing to you know, lose? I always ask people that, well, you've got all that money in savings. You've got it in a very, you know, an account that's in the stock market. How much are you willing to lose of that? You have to mm-hmm. be serious because in 2008, I lost 38% of my retirement money. That was, that was terrible. I stayed home from work 38% and I've been saving for over 20 years. And big ch- and it took 10 years, by the way, for all those people that lost money in 2008 for it to come back to where it was. Can you pay my bills? Can you pay my telephone bills? Do you pay my automobiles? Do you pay my I think I was working for a law firm in 2008 and I believe I had a 401k to literally see the number just dip goofy in a number like really and I I felt very loyal to the law firm because they did not lay me off during 2008 but eventually uh, three or four years later they did lay me off and I was thinking I was loyal to this place I was automatically saving. I think I was saving an ING, which was a very low interest rate. Another thing about savings, banks, a lot of the banks, the big ones, as well as the small ones, aren't giving a lot of interest in, in savings. What, what, where is the best place to place your savings if you're trying to build something, you know, for a rainy day or expenses? Well, you know what? Interesting, you should ask that also because the banks don't pay very much. There's a lot of zeros in front of there. I know. Well, there's online banks that do have a better 
you know, interest rate. But it depends on what your needs are. Now, if you're looking to have an emergency fund uh, or a fund from which you pay your bills, if it's some immediate cash, you may want to keep that in a bank account that you can have access to mm-hmm. or some kind of um, you know, account that would give you access within a day to your money. But for the long term, you want to get the most, I say, bang for your buck, something that's going to give you good growth and minimal risk. That's my position. A lot of people want to have some money in the stock market, which gets you big gains, yay, big losses. Oh my gosh, I lost all my money. Or some people like to have their money grow tax-free and grow, you know, risk-free. They're protected from the downside turns in the market. So those are discussions I have with my clients because it's so important to say, what not not what is my goal? What you know what I my intentions are? It's like what do you want to do? You know, what is your risk tolerance? What do you want to say? What are your goals and dreams when you want to retire? Where do you want to be when you retire? And people don't think about that in their, in their 20s and 30s. I don't talk to 20s, 20-year-olds. 30-year-old, and if you're starting to get more serious, or if you have a, a child, you're more serious. Right. And, but no one, people don't, they don't uh, plan to fail. They just fail to plan. No, no one tells them. No one tells them. So, that is our grassroots effort to get the word out. Our motto is leave no family behind because I don't want something to happen to you or your income. And the first thing you do is you stop paying your, for your policy because that's your future. You're not going to, you're not going to stop paying taxes. That's for sure. Yeah. The tax man <laughs> will always get his cut. Uh, and there's three people I don't mess with the I, the R and the S I don't mess with them. Three people. <laughs> so, yeah. so I like to, you know, put myself in people's shoes, look through their eyes, see what their goals and dreams are, uh, and, and try to help them from that point. So that's how I shifted the skills that I learned working with my clients. And a lot of attorneys don't do that. They're just like, hey, plead guilty, get out of here. <laughs> so I have to say that I shifted those skills and improved upon them. Uh, because believe me, if I see something, and maybe you're denied a policy, but I will fight to make sure I talked to that underwriter. I talked to that person in charge to see if I can get the best I can do so I can get you what you need. If I can't, I'm going to let you know. But at least you know we didn't go down without a fight. So Yeah. And, and here's, I got a quick question just on the top of my head. The difference between a whole life insurance policy and a term life insurance policy. Actually, there's three types. There's, ah. Which was the original kind of insurance, which was developed as this people needed protection and it was cheap. But think of it as like renting a house or or renting an apartment. You rent it for a year and you can put a lot of money into your rent, but when the year's over, that's it. Get out unless you rent it for another year. Mm -hmm. So the term is only for a a certain amount of time. And when the term is up, you can renew it. But with term insurance, the renewal rates are really more expensive as you get older. They're phenomenally more expensive. So people got tired of that, then they, invented or designed whole life, which is permanent. Mm-hmm. So you pay the same premium forever. The term, it goes up as you get older and you only have a certain term. So whole life is more like maybe buying the house. Now you're getting equity in the house and money starts to grow inside of it. But most term poli- new whole life policies would um, terminate at age 100. And then they pay you what's, what's inside. People were saying, well, you know, I want more out of it. I, there's more things. I, why can't I use some of that money while I'm here? So then they invented the um, indexed universal life. 
which allows you to have more flexibility. It's more sort of like the Swiss army knife of uh, the insurance industry. There's a lot of things you can do with that suit policy. So you can utilize it while you're alive mm -hmm. and also tax-free benefits go to your heirs should you become more of an angel than you are right now. Yeah, yeah. So there's term, whole life, which is permanent, and then there's universal life. Universal life, yes, yes. Whole term and universal life, yeah. Because I have talked to folks that understand all of those policies and all of those types of insurance. And I know that the younger you are, is probably the best time to start investing in that, especially if you have children and you want to make sure that they're not left with a bunch of uh, funeral costs or burial bills. Yeah. Or and um, and then also, if your loved one is is sick, I've heard this. If your loved one is sick and they unfortunately did not have the insurance to cover the hospital bills, they unfortunately pass away. Are you responsible as the, the kid or the, um, the person that takes care of that person? You're either the spouse or you're the, the daughter or the son. Are you responsible for those medical bills to pay them? It depends on your relationship to that person. Sometimes they do pass on to the family. Okay. That's another reason you want to be really careful and understand everything. A lot of people are afraid to ask. Okay. So I help people understand it. I don't claim to know everything. I'm far from knowing everything. And I'm not, you know, I used to tell that to my clients, you know, I may not know the answer, but I will surely find it out for you and get back to you instead of trying to guess and give you the wrong information. I don't want to ever do that because I was given wrong information. And uh, that can be a really bad thing if you rely on that throughout your life. So, but people need to understand that the younger and the healthier you are, is the time to get insurance in place. Mm -hmm. Most of the people I know that are working with Revolution Financial Management have their have babies, and as soon as the babies are 14 days old, they get a policy on them. And it's not the morbid thing that you would think, oh, why would you get a policy on your child? Yeah. Them? No, it's to grow money for their future. So you may be able to put your child's retirement monies in place for them starting out when they're little, so and then they teach them how to save, teach them how to use this as their own bank. As they get older, you can be your own banker. That's another thing we help to teach people and have them take over the premiums and they become an adult. And now they can start, start to save for their own retirement because people move from job to job. You have many jobs as you're an adult. Yeah. You settle on, hopefully settle on one. And, and benefits change from job to job. But if you can know that your parents started something for you that's growing for you and it's going to give you security, in addition to what you have, you're going to seek jobs you know, maybe more to your liking and not dependent always on the benefits. But uh, for college money, for car money, you might be able to borrow from yourself and pay yourself back within these policies. That's the Swiss Army knife uh, benefits I was telling you about. Right. It's really amazing. Yeah. It really is. And I'm, I'm very excited that your, you, you offer kind of like a, like a bridge or kind of the, the, the gateway to if these are the things you want to know about, and then you want to make sure to protect your finances with insurance, 
to make sure that your loved ones are cared for, to make sure that other things are in place, like kind of that strategy, kind of the laying out that blueprint of what you need uh, before you leave, <laughs> what you need before you leave, kind of lay that out there. I'm, I'm happy to know that that I think everyone needs to kind of financially strategize for something. We've never gone through a pandemic. I think the last one happened uh, well over 100 years ago. So could any of us plan for this crazy that happened? And so for the year 2022, what should people, if they're looking to make some, you know, moves in regards to their finances, what should they do? I think, first of all, you should find someone that you that you feel has your best interests at heart. Mm-hmm. And it's going to look at, I think it is maybe five main areas for you. Well, number one, thoroughly look at what you want. You know, when do you want to retire? And you say, well, I never thought about that. Well, think about it now. <laughs> age, okay. Or I'll tell you, let's just start with age 65, maybe 70. I think retirement age has moved up to the 70s now. Mm-hmm. And don't plan on Social Security because that's not that could be a bonus for you if you're lucky enough to get it. And look at what do you have as far as short and long-term savings. That's number one. After we look at what you want as a person with goals and dreams, and then look at what kind of proper protection you have for you. Because people will get protection for their cell phones and their cars, but not themselves. So let's get Ouch. something for you. And what do you have for long-term care protection? have a person that was working with us whose husband got early onset Alzheimer's and she was using her retirement monies to pay that 5,000 a month it cost to put it in a facility. And unfortunately it passed on, but it was eating up her savings. So we have another person who, whose mom got Alzheimer's and lived for 10 years and her, her father spent his retirement meals taking care of her. They had nothing. They both been uh, scientists with patents, but no one showed them or told them about saving for this, Thing that could happen in the future. Wow. But she was, you know, with our company, she's helped being able to help them through that. Unfortunately, mom passed on, but that was a load she had to carry. So you want to have now we plan, you know, what is your life going to look like? Short and long term savings, proper protection, debt management. We look at, you know, if you if you just smothered in debt, we can help you with that. If maybe you want to pay off your, your house earlier, look at maybe, you know, cutting down the years you're paying for your mortgage or or you're not smothered in debt, but you'd like to be able to have a, a way to pay off your cards early. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have an individual that has a plan that will help you do that. So that's debt management. And then wealth protection. Do you have a will in place? Most people don't know if they have minor children and they don't have a will that says who will take care of those children should something happen to them. They go to the state and the state finds the best person, which may not be your family, even though they're sitting there waiting and they go in foster care until they so they find the proper person. So you need to have a will in place. And then if you own property, it's so important. I just can't stress mm. how important it is to have a trust, a living trust so your house doesn't go through probate. I see people plan, oh, I want to have my, my kids have a place to stay. A lady in particular had a son with uh, developmental disability. She always wanted to have a place to live. And she worked hard and paid for her house. She's really proud of that. I was proud of her. And she put it together, a living trust. We have a put together a living trust. And we said, sign it. We're going to go to the recorder's office so we can do the proper thing so the house is protected. I'll do it on Monday. No, let's do it now. I'll do it on Monday. So she passed away on the weekend and never got done. And now mm-hmm. we're So you have to look at that. You want to have everything protected. 
And in that process, you're going to feel good about yourself. I find that when I first sit with a person, I say, let's write down where all your money goes. They're like, whoa, you know, I I just know it's not there. I'll ask them this. Do you have more month at the end of your money? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) No, it's gone to Starbucks. (laughs) (laughs) You want to have more money at the end of the month, but most people run out before the month is over. So my position is you may not do business with me, but I bet you after you talk to me, you're going to learn, you're going to walk away with more knowledge than you have before. Yeah. And if people wanted to know more about how you can financially educate them and give them a strategy to do very well in 2022, where would they go? Well, they can always text me at 818-399-6295. Or they can email me at attorney, A-T-T-O-R-N-E-Y dot Rhonda, R-H-O-N-D-A, the number five, because I have five kids. I don't know that <laughs> That's attorney dot Rhonda five at gmail.com. And oh. if you're looking to generate another source of, of income or reinvent yourself because you met with disaster after COVID and your employer, I'm looking to expand. I'm looking for like-minded people, entrepreneurs who know what it takes to, to help people that are servant, servant-minded or service-minded and uh, want to make a living doing the same thing. Because it is a people business. Like people. So if you don't like people, don't come my way. <laughs> <laughs> Believe and it or not. <laughs> and for you to continue to like people after dealing with what you deal, dealt with as a trial attorney, my hats is off to you. You know what? I would much rather say, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, I put together an amazing plan for you and your family to reach your goals. Then to say, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, I got your son or daughter 10 years in state prison instead of 25 to life. It just feels better. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Rhonda Lynn Horler, thank you so much for joining us. And thank you. This is an honor to be here. It's really a gift to me just to be able to to talk about this and get the word out. That's right. And the word will be gotten out. I'm Valerie Johnson, and this is Interludes. To check out more from my interview with Rhonda Leonard Hortwith, please visit our Interludes YouTube channel. Interludes continues our financial literacy series, Making Money Matter. Next week with people always say, spend within your means. Well, you also have to save within your means because I didn't know what I could afford to put away. And once I got through some of those barriers, I was able to devise tactics that allowed me to protect my wealth from myself. CEO of YGS Solutions and the author of the children's book, Money is Good, Kelsey 100. It's your gal shalls, Chaltrice Chandler on the next Interludes. Have you seen it? It's the weekly chat with EP Michael Womble and Valerie Johnson. Interludes Extra presents Talk on Tuesdays. Join us and other special guests as we break down the latest topics surrounding music and movies and sports every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Central, 9 p.m. Eastern, live in the chat on our Interludes YouTube channel. Interludes, 
Original concept by Valerie Johnson. Written by Michael Womble. Produced by Michael Womble and Valerie Johnson. Original intro and outro music produced by Kendall Nesbitt. Interludes, a pure Lighthouse production. This episode is brought to you by NBNConnect.com and the African American Historical News Journal. Give the gift of knowledge during Black History Month. To purchase your journal, please visit nbnconnect.com and enter the word interludes as the referral. To subscribe to our YouTube channel or join our interludes Facebook group, visit the website linktr.ee forward slash Pure Light Media. Media.